already know it's the Creator Spaces show. Are you seeing differences between these live audiences on Twitter, on Clubhouse? And then if you've started to explore these other platforms, are you seeing different interactions there as well? Extremely different. The UI is very similar. The people, the culture, the entire discussion is different to Clubhouse. And the way I described it for now is Clubhouse is very entertaining, a lot of drama. And generally, the audience tends to focus on more general advice, a lot of motivation instead of actual value. The audience members were not as high value as Twitter, for lack of a better term. Now, I did have 10,000 people listen to me on a daily basis, seven days a week. So 70,000 people listen. There's bound to be some people that will be a good match. But I would have discussions that are more challenging for me intellectually on Twitter spaces where I'd be learning a lot more compared to Clubhouse. But again, that's for now. That could change in a month's time as both platforms blow up. As somebody who's had success as an entrepreneur already, do you consider yourself a creator in the sense of the creator economy that started to come about? Not until BitClout came onto my radar 48 hours ago. So before that, I was just doing what I'm doing now to expand my network. I enjoy the thrill of it, of building an audience, and it does open up doors. Since I got suspended on Clubhouse, it's been one and a half months. I was on Clubhouse before that for about one month, five weeks, I think. In the five weeks I was on Clubhouse, I built a massive audience. In the month and a half off Clubhouse, I made a lot more money. So in that one and a half month that I was off Clubhouse, I accepted the position of being the CEO of a publicly listed company in the crypto space. Mm-hmm. I found out about BitCloud and I went all in. NFTs blew up. Again, I'm pretty deep in crypto. And I put some time and effort into my e-com businesses. And I monetized the relationships I built on Clubhouse. So in other words, money-wise, personal branding could be incredible, but... I made more money without Clubhouse than on Clubhouse. But that is changing now. I found out about BitCloud. Now I'm finding out about other similar platforms. So these are platforms that allow you to monetize your personal brand. And I'm being a very early adopter on BitCloud, which is my main focus at the moment since 48 hours ago. Love it or hate it, I'm still exploring it. So I'm not going to start praising it or criticizing it. I'm still a student of the platform, but I'm very fascinated. And to answer your question, I do look at myself as a creator because I see a way to monetize being a creator. Plus, I'm obsessed with the journey itself, at least for now. I've heard about BitClout. I have no idea what it is. Please, what is BitClout if you can? And then alongside that, how does it tie into you now identifying as a creator? I think this is the most exciting part for anyone listening. If you haven't done so already, search BitCloud, B-I-T-C-L-O-U-T, as a general overview of the platform. BitCloud is a way for you to buy, let's say you believe in me, you can buy coins in Mario Coin. Now, what do I mean by believe in me? Let's say you saw me on Twitter Spaces, you saw me on Clubhouse. This guy is doing something right. He's got a lot of energy. He's working a lot. He's also doing well in the business space. I've got a team of growth hackers. I'm doing things right. Maybe Mario has potential to become a bigger name. Let me buy some of the Mario coins. So you would go on BitCloud, type my name, Mario Norfolk, and you'll see my coin. Now, at the moment, it's valued at $19,000 worth of investment. So by the time you hear about this, just go look at the amount. If it's lower than $19,000, then obviously what I'm saying is wrong. There's no potential on the platform. But if it's a lot more, then hey, you just saw it for yourself. 
So that means people are actually believing in me and buying coins in me. Okay, that's what the concept is. Now, I'm not going to go deep into platform itself. It has a few red flags, but it also has a lot of smart people behind it. Sequoia Capital, Andreessen Horowitz, Coinbase Ventures, Chamath, a lot of big names. So why is that important? Now there's a clear, easy way to monetize your brand beyond focusing on partnerships, focusing on followers, looking for different ways to monetize it. You can literally have a stock market where you can list your coin on there. People can buy it and sell it depending on their big bold letters. What will determine the long-term price of your coin is the value you create, not the short-term speculation. Now, why is that important and why am I a creator now? The room that I do on Twitter spaces, on Clubhouse, is called The Roundtable. That's the brand that I'm building. And I was talking to my team, NFTs are blowing up, our businesses are doing good. Why are we spreading ourselves thin and focusing on the round table? There's no ROI. The accounting team, they're like, Mario, you're wasting time. I'm like, true. It does open up doors. These are clients that we got because they heard me, but I'm sure we can get more clients You're focusing more on growth hacking, which is what my agency does. The ROI is much, much higher. But now with BitCloud, there's a direct correlation in the amount of value that I put out there and the amount of awareness I bring to it through PR, growth hacking, personal branding, etc. relative to the coin that I have that will increase in value. So now you've made a clear correlation between monetary compensation and being a creator, which I think could revolutionize the concept of being an influencer. Again, BitCloud could be that platform that makes this happen. It could go to zero, like 80 or something percent of VC investments. I'm just focusing on the concept itself. How do you go about building up your audience now? And has that changed since you started out? When I first started personal branding, I started two years ago. Before that, I didn't have Instagram. I didn't have LinkedIn. Now I was running a few companies doing seven, eight figures. I did not even have LinkedIn. Obviously, no Facebook, no YouTube, nothing at all. So I was an extremely private person. And that was the problem that I had because I got scammed because of my secrecy. One of my managers at my company, IBC, International Blockchain Consulting, scammed me out of a lot of money and almost destroyed the company because he leveraged the fact that most of my employees didn't know who I was. So when I got scammed, I tried to turn this obstacle into an opportunity and I made something out of it. And that's launching my personal brand with someone called Kirill Cristales. He was the person that worked with me. So he's my business partner now. It was an uphill battle. Anyone building your personal brand, the amount of content effort first you have to put into content, researching what type of content, title for your YouTube video, for your LinkedIn, the copy that you use, the editing, everything, just so much effort into it. And it could still not be seen by anyone because it's so freaking competitive now. But then when there's a new platform that comes up, TikTok is a great example. When you time any business idea or anything in life, it could lead to a much higher ROI. The amount of effort I put in Clubhouse, if I can do a two-hour room and be listened to by a 1,000 people, it takes me a lot more than two hours to create a video that will hit a 1,000 people. We create videos on our growth hacking channel, very niche, and we growth hack them. We put a lot of effort into them with the whole team distributing them, and we get about one to 2,000 views per video. That's the whole team. On Clubhouse, one person could go open a room, title it the right word, and then get some other big names to join them, and he could reach thousands and thousands of people, and the engagement is incredible. We post a YouTube video with 1,000, 2,000 people listening to it. We'd be lucky to see anyone comment on the video. We do that on Clubhouse and we tell people to DM me. It goes back to timing. Being an early adopter is a risk, but higher risk, higher reward potential. 
I'm really interested in the audience you're building because when you're building up this varied audience across multiple platforms and you're trying to build it as fast as possible in every area, I personally have run into issues in going after that because it pulls me away from the single metric of success that I like to normally focus on. And I'm wondering how you go about measuring all of this. What is your North Star metric for success? Spreading yourself too thin is a relative term. For someone listening to this who's a one-man band, obviously just focusing on one thing or two things is key. Someone that has a big team focusing on six things could be sufficient depending on the team size. Now, I'm not perfect in this. I just have too many North Stars, to be honest. I'm just chasing too many rabbits. And in many cases, we're just playing on so many fronts. Even my team can't deal with that amount of workload. When it comes to the various platforms to build a personal brand, something practical for the audience to do is do what Jim Collins describes as throwing pebbles before throwing the cannonball. That means test different things. And then when one works, get that cannonball and shoot it right through like I did with Clubhouse. That will be my way of ensuring that you just don't chase too many rabbits is just testing many rabbits. Chasing many rabbits and then the one that runs the slowest or that seems the biggest, the fattest that you can catch, get that one. If you could send a tweet back to your start, what would it be? All right, okay, don't be too aggressive. Sometimes I'm so aggressive when I chase something that I do step on some toes unintentionally. I think that's a cost, but the return of being aggressive is a lot higher. So I would tell myself, you will step on some toes as you get aggressive in marketing, but it will give you an edge in life. Being aggressive is not necessary for success, but it will give you an edge for life because the person that puts their hand up, for example, listening to this on a podcast, they're like, holy crap, Mario does this business. I could maybe work with him. But they're too shy to actually pick up the phone and message me on Twitter or send me an email saying, hey, maybe we can work together and follow up and follow up. There's stories of people that have done this that ended up working with me. And you might bother me, but that's fine. It's a worthwhile risk in terms of potentially getting me as your business partner, etc. So my tweet would be, you will step on some toes along the way, but as long as it's unintentional, keep stepping on those toes. Just wanted to ask your perspective, how you see Clubhouse evolving, how you think audio spaces could help people leverage and how sticky they are, given this is not a recorded space like a podcast. Okay, so there are tools to record spaces. So Clubhouse, I record my spaces and I think Michael does as well. So it is possible to record them, but the platforms, at least Clubhouse, prefer it to be ephemeral. That's the point of it. And the recorded version for anyone listening to the podcast being live with Michael right now in this space, you'll be able to ask me and other guests questions. So that gives you that edge. And it also feels nicer to be live, at least for now. Whether it works or not, doesn't really matter if you're looking for underpriced attention. So if there's value in you reaching people, whether monetary or personal reasons that you want to enjoy the feeling of helping others, then yes, Clubhouse is definitely where you should be. Twitter Spaces is definitely where you should be because they will get traction the same way Clubhouse got traction, okay? So worst case scenario, Clubhouse and all these platforms fail. No one cares about them anymore. And you got a lot of underpriced attention in that period. Best case scenario, they blow up and you're an early adopter. That's the best way to look at it. What is like the Mario Nafal that you want to look back on in 50 years? What is he known for? Where do you end up as a personality? The answer here is tough because as a personality, I depend on momentum. To answer you, I'm just going to give you a really cheesy answer, which I try to avoid. I just want to be happy. 
Because I know happiness is something for me is very difficult to reach. Why? Because I'm a person that depends on momentum. So I mean, like today, I thought I lost $52,000. Then I realized it was a glitch in the system. But I was called my team, I lost $52,000. It didn't bother me as much as, let's say, Clubhouse suspending me. That hurt me a lot more. Why? Because it stopped my momentum. I'm a momentum type person. I depend on growth and momentum. I think where I will be in 50 years time is one of the best BitClout coins you can buy, which is a funny way of saying I'll have a really strong personal brand because I'm putting a lot of focus into that. That's where I think I'll be. But where I hope I'll be is this happiness because I think that's the hardest thing to reach. I think it's even harder to reach than wealth. I want to just kind of digress, but it's also the importance of seeing opportunities. Being open for opportunity will allow you to see things like Clubhouse, like Twitter spaces, like BitCloud. Like I have people around me that tell me, hey, Mario, you should look into this. And then I dig into it instead of being blinded by just focusing on one thing. Now, there are times where it's important to focus on one thing. But if you're just focusing all your efforts on YouTube and you're doing well, and then you ignore Clubhouse, you could have done a lot more by simply replicating that would not shift their focus. That will just increase the leverage they have and, and increase their ROI. Twitter Spaces is growing based on the room sizes that I have, but it's moving pretty slow, slower than I expected, but it is still closed beta. Maybe it's for the best that it's moving slow considering they're still developing and there's no reason to rush. I think we'll see a shift in Twitter Spaces at the end of April with their investor report. Oh, nice. So what shift should we expect? From what I've heard at least earlier on from the team in terms of their development plans and life cycle, they want a global rollout this quarter. I think what we're seeing next is the web desktop version rollout. My guess is that will likely coincide with an update to the Android capabilities. And then from there, it's a push to stability in the cross-platform experience. And how about the discoverability of the space? Are they looking at having some sort of feature in spaces where people could browse trending rooms? Yeah. And within the, call it spaces power user community, there's already a website that acts like a spaces hallway, as well as a number of saved custom searches to function in a similar manner. And so I think they're holding off putting a permanent feature in because their power user test group has developed their own alternatives for the time being. Clubhouse is great for entertainment. It's horrible for learning. That's my personal opinion. If you want to learn something, just focus on just-in-time learning. Google what you want to learn and listen to that video about it. Don't jump into a random room and wait four hours till they touch on the topic you're interested in that will bring you value. If you want to be entertained, go into those rooms, listen to those people argue and disagree. A lot of times they just spread disinformation or false things. I'm not hating on Clubhouse. Again, I think Clubhouse has a lot of value and I would put time into it when I'm back on the platform. But I find when I'm on Clubhouse, I'm entertaining more than speaking. Like I'm running a show. Now I've Les Brown jump in and talk about my mom. I have Grant Cardone and Ty Lopez jump in. We start disagreeing and arguing. This is not a nice high-level discussion. My space earlier today had Jimmy Song, the Bitcoin evangelist, had a a futurist sitting there discussing crypto and they're pretty high level people. No one's selling a course. So Clubhouse, I think that it will be a very different audience to Twitter spaces and it is spreading to more smaller rooms rather than being condensed towards bigger rooms. And the best thing in it, don't focus on your followers. The algorithm will not care for them because it's so easy for early adopters to get them and late laggards not to get them. The algorithms are more advanced than just focusing on followers now. And we've seen that happen on various platforms. It's about to happen on Clubhouse and here we are, it did happen on Clubhouse. 
I had 50,000 followers. I would run rooms at three, 4,000 people. And then there's another person who she had a million followers and she would have a room with 500 to 1,000 people because it wasn't about the followers. So that's my two cents on Clubhouse. I find myself like surfing people's audiences and trying to bring people on to shows. How do you make it engaging? How do you go about creating that? I'll ask you your first point when you first started speaking is that you struggled to discover new platforms. Now you're a Bitcoin evangelist, okay? I saw that. If you were there in the early days of Bitcoin, nobody that heard it would not look at it as a scam or a pyramid scheme unless they were very techie. I was talking earlier about BitClout. Many people are saying the same things about BitClout as they said about Bitcoin in the early days. Many people are saying the same stuff about Clubhouse as they said about TikTok. And they'll continuously do that. The early adopters are generally people that you won't be able to relate to. Just keep that in mind. When you see teens dancing on TikTok, they're the early adopters. You can't relate to them. doesn't mean you won't relate to the platform at a later time. To go to your second part of your question, and that's how to engage the audience. That's something I've obviously had to develop that skill. You're not born with it. But what I would do is I would look at metrics. I would look at emojis, metric number one. Metric number two, how many people are in the audience? When I used to be on Clubhouse, I used to see the ticker going up, going down. And I realized, okay, this speaker, when he speaks, people disengage and I see some of them drop out. So these are metrics you can look at. You can look at the people muting and unmuting their mics. So there are certain things you can look for to be able to know if you rambled for too long or you didn't. But there's also a skill to develop. I had to develop that skill. The best thing you could do is record yourself and listen to yourself. If you do that, you'll see massive change in doing it. Continuously record yourself and listen to it again and again. You might shock yourself when you hear yourself.